Hello there, and a very warm welcome to episode 23 of the Frantic Football Podcast on World Football Index. I'm Neil Shalat, uh, and I'm delighted to welcome Rafael Adelupa once again. How are you doing, Rafael? I'm doing good, Neil. Um, I hope you and Ben are doing well and had a good weekend, and can't wait to get into the episode. Yeah, and Rafael there gave away our second co-host, uh, or third, uh, Ben Griffiths, of course. He's there as well. How are you doing, Ben? Third co-host? Ah, I'm doing worse now. I'm excited you guys are all doing well too but yeah I'm excited there's a lot of action to cover so it should be should be quite frantic it'll be a lot of fun oh boy yes there is there is loads of stuff uh I'll just quickly run through uh, our outline we've got a couple of titles uh, from Asia and a couple of title races as well which we'll start with uh, then we'll move over to Africa for the continental competitions there and then to Europe where there were huge derbies all over the place some huge results, some big title races uh, coming up, and, and also a couple of uh, interesting cups uh, up in Scandinavia. And finally, we'll check in to North America, and that should be that for today's episode. So, yep, a, a fair bit of uh, action lined up, fair bit of discussion. So, without further ado, uh, let's get started. Let's start with the titles in Asia, as promised. Uh, first, over to India, where we had uh, the ISL final this weekend in Goa. Uh, it featured neither uh, ISL Shield winners, Mumbai City FC, who we spoke about before, who looked by far the best team in the league this season. I don't think there's anyone who could argue with that. Uh, and nor uh, defending champions, Hyderabad FC, who finished second. So both of those sides are directly qualified for the semi-final. They were eliminated uh, by uh, ATK Mohan Bagan in the case of Hyderabad uh, and Bengaluru FC in the case of Mumbai on penalties. So it was ATK MB against Bengaluru in the final in Goa. Uh, interesting match, loads of penalties, uh, three in normal time, uh, two for ATK MB who scored first, uh, then Bengaluru equalized from the spot. Uh, Bengaluru went on to take the lead uh, late well, towards the end of the second half with another penalty from ATK MB uh, top scorer. Dimitri Petratos uh, saw us go to extra time. No goals there, so off we went to the shootout. As I said, Bengaluru, of course, had experience. They, they beat Mumbai in the semi-final uh, with a shootout, but it was AD Gambi who prevailed. Uh, they, they were faultless from the spot. Bengaluru had one effort saved and then missed the last one altogether, missed the target. And so that's where the final was decided. But I suppose the bigger news, uh, rather than the result of the match itself, was actually what was announced right after it. So, technically speaking, well, I'll just give a bit of uh, back uh, context to start with because ADK Mohan Bagan uh, is a, a sort of a merger club uh, which only came you know only came into existence in twenty twenty. Before that, uh, Mohan Bagan is one of the oldest clubs in India, one of the most successful uh, his, historic historic clubs, one of the most successful as well. So it's a huge huge club. It has a huge fan base in Kolkata, the city where it's based. Uh, and yeah, yeah uh, you know, it's it's a massively historic club. It, it predates India's independence by far. So it, basically, it's a really big club. ATK, uh, which is also based in Kolkata, of course, 
was only founded in 2014 when the ISL obviously came about and obviously it's a franchise league so there were a bunch of clubs newly founded to start playing in it. Now initially ATK had ties with uh, Atletico Madrid so it was known as Atletico de Kolkata I believe uh, but then those ties ended uh, they were taken over by uh, 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 a sort of a investment group led by uh, Sanji, uh, by uh, a businessman by the name of Goenka so he became then their owner in 2017 or 2018 uh, and then in 2020 obviously ISL as I said was uh, a newly formed franchise league so it was, it was formed from scratch and separate from the rest of the Indian pyramid but in 2020 they announced that uh, they, they would have the, the two biggest clubs uh, in the country historically again Mohan Bagan and East Bengal who were both playing in the I league till then which was a traditional uh, top flight uh, they would they would bring them into the Super League. Of course, that needed investment uh, because financially this was, was almost at a different level. So uh, East Bengal uh, were sponsored by a, 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 a sort of a building company, but, but they, they they maintained their identity. However, Mohan Bagan ended up merging with ATK. So the the ATK owner bought I think an eighty percent uh, share of the club. So he became a majority owner. Uh, and they they merged the clubs to form ATK Mohan Bagan. Now, for for all intents and purposes, this was a sort of a successor of Mohan Bagan because they 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 continued to use the licenses with the Indian Federation and uh, with FIFA as well of Mohan Bagan and ATK as an entity was basically closed in twenty twenty. But because the name was ATK Mohan Bagan and the the the, the traditional fans of Mohan Bagan were, were really. <laughs> dissatisfied with that to say the least because obviously the first thing you heard was ATK uh, and, and not Mohan Bagan. So as a result, uh, there was the, the protest, uh, you know, obviously protests out on the streets, actual protests in Kolkata uh, as well as hashtag remove ATK has been trending on social media for like three years, you know, throughout all their matches all the time. So the fans have been really displeased and they've been consistent, you know, obviously they didn't win the title the last two seasons, won this season, but even before the final, you know, fans were really consistent in that no matter what happens, they obviously do not like uh, what's going on with the, the, the name of their club. Uh, and finally, uh, after the, the, I mean, I think I read reports about this back in summer of 2022, so from a long time ago, but finally, after the final, it was announced that the club was going to be renamed. Uh, so, the, the ATK bit of the title is going to completely go away, it's going to vanish. Now they're going to become uh, Mohan Bagan SG with the SG standing for Super Giants. Now, where does Super Giants come from? Well, so the, this this owner, um, uh, Goenka, also owns an IPL club, an Indian Premier League club, which is this cricket, uh, by the name of uh, Lucknow Super Giants, which is from the city of Lucknow. So, you know, he, he's doing his own branding thing there, I suppose. So, it's now going to become Mohan Bagan SG. Uh, and Mohan Bagan fans obviously not a 100% happy with the SG coming in but you know on the whole they're much happier that ATK is gone and on the whole it's it's, it's a positive outlook from them obviously there were also some ATK fans who I should say far far fewer in number than Mohan Bagan fans because obviously the, the history is that uh, Mohan Bagan was founded in you know the late 19th century and ATK only existed for six years so you can understand why but obviously, there are some ATK fans who are unhappy because you know, that was basically gone. 
but yeah, uh, that's that's uh, uh, I suppose a sneak peek, a short peek into the the great world of uh, Indian football for you. There's all sorts going on there. I can I can I can assure you. Uh, but but that's the big news from this week. Uh, anyway, we spent a lot of time on that, so we're gonna have to be quick everywhere else. Uh, let's start with another title, also in Asia, uh, youth football though over in Uzbekistan. Uh, Ben's got something from the under twenty Asian Cup for us. Yes, so we have um the hosts Uzbekistan won the tournament they host. They won the AFC U twenty uh, Asian Cup. Uh, they beat uh, Iraq one nil. It was a penalty in the 72nd minute uh, by, and I apologize if I mispronounce this name, Umarali Ramohamalev. And I know I got it wrong and I apologize, but um, he scored a few goals throughout the tournament. I think he won um, the joint of like basically MVP award, I think with um, one of Iraq's players, Hussein Hassan. So uh, he's one to keep in, keep in mind for the future. If, if you want to watch this tournament back, it's all on YouTube um, to, to see any really incredible players. This tournament also doubled as the qualification process for the FIFA U20 World Cup. So uh, so the hosts, Indonesia, obviously are in it. Uh, and then the semifinalists. So that would be Uzbekistan, obviously, and Iraq, as well as Japan and South Korea. And so that's good because I believe this is the... So this is the first tournament since 2013 that Iraq will be in, and first since 2015 that Uzbekistan will be in for the FIFA U20 World Cup. Uh, so it's good to have those. Japan and South Korea are pretty much in it every single year um, that they host it. And so it was, it was definitely a fun tournament. Um, what was funny is that Uzbekistan won both of their knockout games on penalties by scoring every single penalty. So it's a youth tournament. They went to penalties twice. They scored every single penalty. They are an up and coming footballing nation within not just Central Asia, but within Asia. So keep in mind these players, they, I mean, they can do penalties. They can, you know, they only drew one game. They won the rest. They actually drew to Indonesia, um, uh, which to me, I mean, you think of a youth tournament, they, they didn't lose. They're able to do penalties. They can score. They can create certainly a team to watch going forward here in the next five, 10 years to see where does Uzbekistan go. They put a lot of investment in the past uh, uh, this and then also last summer they hosted um, a tournament as well. So they've really tried to push their football forward. Keep an eye on them. Great tournament. They they host, they win, and they get into the, the U20 World Cup. And they make great promo videos for the league too. Don't and they, they make amazing promo videos for Game of Thrones, essentially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think we've spoken about that before, but I'll probably link that again. But anyway, let let's stay in Asia uh, to talk about not titles but some title races. Uh, let's first go over to Saudi Arabia, where I think things are pretty close. So, so some some interest this weekend, you know, as ever, of course, the headlines all over the world were made by Al Nasser. Uh, where Cristiano Ronaldo scored a free kick, which went through the wall, I should mention. Uh, as the wall moved. Yeah, the, the, the wall, the wall was again. for him. It was, it's one of his first free kicks in forever, but I watched the replay. I was like, oh, guys, come on. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, anyway, uh, Al Nasser uh, came back from behind. Uh, I guess Abha to, to win 2-1. There was a late penalty as well taken by Anderson Talisca, interestingly, not Ronaldo. But either way, they won. Uh, Al Ettihad, of course, uh, the league leaders, they all they won relatively comfortably, uh, but uh, Al Shabab dropped points, so they have fallen off a bit. Al I should say, defending champions uh, Al Hilal also won their match. So the situation at the top of the league uh, at the moment is we've got Al Ettihad on top with fifty points, Al Nasser second forty nine points, Al Shabab third forty four points. 
and Al Hilal fourth on 39 points, but with two games in hand. So they could jump up to 45 points. So theoretically, you could have six points separating the top four. Uh, we How many games do we have left? We have nine matches left till the end of the season. So th this should be a pretty pretty interesting title race to watch. Uh, I, I, I guess, I guess you know, why not? Let's, let's have a quick prediction uh, for a top four finish. Uh, I mean, I'm putting you on the spot, but what would you say, Ben? Top four? Um, for top four, I think Al Dihad probably win it. I think Nuno is incredible. Uh, with tactics this season, um, I, I, I'd say Alan Sarah because I don't think they're going to drop that. Many, well, I don't think they're going to lose uh five points between yeah. them and Al I should say. So that's why I think they're going to be in second. I think Al Halal they have two games in hand, but they've also played a ton more games this season because they've done a lot more. So I'm not sure if maybe at the end if they'll be a little bit tired. That's just the only thing with me. But I do think Al Halal probably get third. Al Shabab probably in fourth. Um, yeah. Al Shabbat and Al Halal play on April seventh. That's the, both of their next games. So, uh, if you can't watch the game, watch the highlights. I can't watch the game, so I'll be following the score and looking at the highlights. But that is a huge game for for, for my predictions for third and fourth spot, but potentially even for second spot because I, I I'm not sure if Al Shabbat or Al Halal can take up that many points to storm ahead and get up five or six points above. Yeah, I mean, I, on Hilal, we should also mention they obviously have the AFC Champions League final coming up uh, in late April, early May, two legs. And, and that's, you know, right before the end of the season. Their, their final match is being, uh, is on the 9th of May. So they'll obviously be, uh, you know, focusing on that as well, maybe. And, you know, and they it's are, two legs too, so it makes yeah, it more exactly. difficult. You're going to have to travel to Japan. Travel, yeah, exactly. That's, that's as far away as you can get from Saudi Arabia in Asia. So it's really going to put a lot of stress on I think they're not not like emotional but like um you yeah, know playing yeah, yeah. players yeah so I think that's a factor too and obviously they are the defending champions have three titles in a row the, the last three in a row but yeah it, it doesn't look likely at all that they can make it and yeah I suppose I to be honest yeah, I do agree with your prediction as well I just want to say obviously I'm not a I'm not a big watcher or admirer of the the Saudi Arabian League um but I do find it interesting looking at it that Ronaldo is six goals off the top goal scorer, which having only played eight games in the league is quite something. Um, obviously, Christian Ronaldo leaving um, European football and coming to the Saudi Arabian League was a massive surprise for many, even probably himself, despite uh, what he says to Piers Morgan and whatnot. But for him to be six goals off the top goal scorer list with nine games to go, as he said, Neil, is quite something, to be honest. So I think that was just something. Point out. I've got you covered. Want to know why he is? He is inconsistent. <laughs> inconsistent. So I actually posted something before this. So this game, he played one more game and he scored one one goal. So he has now played. He has nine goals for ten, ten games. Yeah, like. Like that, nine yeah. goals, ten games. Here, here is including penalties. He got zero goals, zero goals, one goal, four goals, zero goals, three goals, zero goals, zero goals, zero goals. Now just one goal on a free kick that the wall moved. He is. Good at scoring penalties because he has three penalties so yeah, far yeah, and, sure. and one free kick. I'm going to be honest. Mm -hmm. I was shocked he scored a free kick because everyone knows Ronaldo's <laughs> very poor record. But he is scoring a ton of goals, but they're mainly in two games where he scored seven across two games. Yeah. Um, it, it is it is crazy. I think Taliska is going to continue because he's back playing now. I, I can't, couldn't find exactly why he wasn't playing for like a month, but he is so good. His teammate, actually, 
uh, Ronaldo's team on Alan Saratuliska. I think he wins a golden boot because he's, I think, ahead by a couple goals. Right. But he's just so yeah. deadly. He's so yeah. deadly. He's got 14. He's got 14. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, yeah. When he plays, it's just like, watch yeah. out. I guess we yeah. say the same about Ronaldo, but yeah, he's inconsistent. So I'm curious if he can keep scoring in each game because he might get and win the golden boot by only scoring in like three or four total games. <laughs> Uh, well, there we go, something. Uh, anyway, uh, let's quickly also pop by to uh, let, let's go to Indonesia, uh, where we have some some big news uh, at the top of the table. Uh, uh, we could, well, we're not quite yet, but uh, obviously there's the international break uh, in, in the men's game coming up now, so we have to wait for a couple of weeks. But soon enough, we could have a first-time champion crowned. Ben's got something more on that as well, so let's hear from him. Yeah, uh, PSM Makassar, uh, they are right now two games ahead. They have um, played two more games than uh, the, the teams in second and third place. They have 69 points. Uh, Persib have 56, and again, two games in hand. And then Persib Jakarta have 54, but again, two games in hand. Um, so they're very close. I, I don't see them not winning the title. They'd have to, like, they, I, I haven't done the math, so I think they'd have to pretty much lose like every game and and probably Perseid or Persija would have to like win every single game. Um, so it's going to be very tight uh, margins for them the next game, I think, just to like want to win as soon as they can. I think they play the next game or they're away next game, I guess, against Madura. Um, so may, I don't know, maybe they, they'll want to win it at home. Who knows? But it's been crazy because come after coming back from um the the stoppage in the league from the the tragedy in the stadium uh they they came out and they were they were pretty decent and there's been a nice race and they were drawn a lot and they were they were winning a couple they weren't really losing they've only lost two games a season but after they lost actually in mid-january to Persija, they went on a nine game winning streak and so it was um i think it was uh, PSM and Persija were really the main two and then Perisib came up as well for a while and they're still there and then they lost to Persija and then boom they said hey we're going to win nine games in a row and they've done that and they just like I think they've lost one game since then as, as well um, it's been pretty crazy so they're obviously going to win the title I, I really don't think that there's any way they don't it'll be fun because it's uh, Bali United won the last three I think I think they they did they won the last two or three, um, and and they're in sixth actually. So so from a competitive standpoint, in the league it's been nice to have Bali not win another one in a row to have a first time title winner, um, expected first time title winner. So yeah, they, they've really gone on a tear in the past uh, month and a half, and they've they're going to deservingly win the title. Yeah, and it's huge because uh, at least according to Wikipedia, they're the oldest club in Indonesia, and uh, I mean I, I suppose we should clarify. This will be their first Liga One title, uh, which is of course I think founded in two thousand four, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but either way, um, it will be their first title in, in the current top flight. They have uh, one before that was way back, I think, in the non-professional era actually. But either way, a huge deal. Indonesia's uh, oldest club winning a Liga One title for the first time. So that's that's a story to keep an eye out on. Uh, anyway, let's let's move on. Let's go to Africa now. Uh, I'll just quickly mention this because we have lots to go through. But we had the, the fifth match day uh, out of the six group stage matches uh, in both the continental competitions, the Champions League as well as the Confederation Cup. Uh, and in the Champions League, we've seven teams gone through. Rani Sulam, Raja Casablanca, and Vidal Casablanca 
Morocco, uh, Sir Belouizdad and uh, Kabili of uh, Algeria, the Mamelodi Sundowns from South Africa, very impressive, probably the favourites, uh, Esperance of uh, Tunisia and, and Simba from Tanzania. And the only uh, remaining spot in the quarterfinals is going to be decided between Al-Ahli uh, and Al-Hilal of Omdurman uh, next, well, in, in, in the next match day. Uh, and obviously, Al-Ahli are a huge, huge club, one of the biggest clubs in Egypt, you know, gi giants in Africa. Uh, but they have a three-point deficit to Al-Hilal. So they need to win that game uh, to go through. So a draw would not be enough. And obviously, them missing out on the knockouts would be a, a pretty big deal. So that's that's one to watch. And then over in the Confederation Cup, uh, we have uh, Monastir uh, from uh, Tunisia, Young Africans of Tanzania, Rivers United of Nigeria, uh, Marumo Galans of uh, South Africa, Asek Mimosas of Ivory Coast. That is their actual name. And as far of Morocco, who have gone through two spots left, uh, Alger uh, and Al Akhdar in one group, and Pyramids and Future both of Egypt will face off uh, for the uh, a quarterfinal spot on the final match day. Those are two things to watch uh, in the Confederation Cup on this final match day, and one for the Champions League. Uh, but then, of course, we'll look forward to the knockouts when they come around. But that's that. Let's move over now to Europe. Uh, where we had loads of huge derbies ahead of the men's international break. Start with probably the biggest result uh, in terms of significance uh, in the Netherlands, uh, in the Klassiker, Ajax versus Feyenoord. Huge match in the Tel Race. Feyenoord had a three-point lead. Uh, but of course, if they lost, they would be gone and Ajax have the better goal, better goal difference. So they would jump up. Ajax were on a nine-match winning streak uh, domestically. Obviously, they were knocked out of the Europa League. But domestically on a nine-match winning streak uh, since uh, Johnny Heidinger took over. So, Ajax were at home uh, and they did concede first to uh, Santiago Jimenez. But soon thereafter, they were they were back up. They were uh, in front going into the half-time break. Edson Alvarez equalized with the header from a set-piece and Dusan Tadic scored towards uh, closer to half-time. So, they went ahead as it's real half-time, of course. Uh, Ajax leading the way in the league uh, back on top. But Feyenoord in the second half had yet another comeback to stage. Before this match, they won 21 points in the league from losing positions, which is the highest tally, which was, I should say, the highest tally in Europe's top 10 leagues at the time. But they added three more. Sebastian Zimanski equalized quickly uh, in the second half uh, at a time where Ajax were looking you know, relatively comfortable. And later on, there was a huge, huge moment uh, towards the end. In the 84th minute, the ball played across the box, which Mohamed Kudus hit goalwards. And he, he he plays it really powerfully and towards the, the near post. And it, it seemed for all the world it was going in. He literally started running to celebrate. But somehow, and I, I still have no idea how he did it. But final goalkeeper, Timon uh, Wellenreuter, who is their second choice keeper, I should add, pulled off an incredible reflex save, somehow got a fingertip to it. And tipped it across around for a corner and kept Feyenoord uh, alive and level. And I mean, I, you know, I don't I don't want to go too far, but that could be a title defining save. Because just two minutes later, there was a corner at the other end. Feyenoord took it and Lusharel Khetroida uh, scored. So Feyenoord won 2 3. When, you know, without that save, they probably have lost 3 2. Uh, and uh, they're now six points clear at the top of the table. Uh, 
the the other sort of contenders in the title race, although they have fallen off. But either way, PSV and AZ both dropped points. So they neither of them managed to overtake Ajax in second spot. So Feyenoord have a six-point lead at the top in what seems to be a two-horse title race. And if you look at the fixture list, Feyenoord is massively easier than Ajax is. So all in the, I, you know, I look at a couple of uh, predictive models, Feyenoord have over 85-90% chance of the title according to them. So it's it's huge because obviously this would be their first title since 1617 uh, if they win and Ajax would uh, lose for the first time in five, five years, although the 1920 season was cancelled. Uh, so this is a huge, huge story and of course we'll keep an eye on it as it develops. Uh, but anyway, let's quickly move on. Uh, let, let's go to Germany first, where there's also an equally close title race. And we had some huge twists uh, this week. So Rafael was tuning into the Bundesliga action. Uh, so let's hear from him. Yeah, as you said, um, Bundesliga, uh, Germany, German football in general was quite um, fun to watch um, this weekend. I found myself, uh, as I said to you um, off air, I found myself watching quite a few games. Um, firstly, with Dortmund Cologne. Um, Dortmund won six one against Cologne. It was quite a statement performance from Dortmund, to be honest. Proper um Jurgen Klopp stuff from them with the emphatic um finishes they were putting in that game, and of course the ruthless finishing that was unshown. Apart from the scoreline, which was quite emphatic, as I said in its own right, other things stood out to me in this game. Um, firstly, I just wanted to give appreciation to Rafael Guerrero and how he's had this new rebirth midfield role. Um, on the Terzic. Um, we all know Guerrero as this like Roman left fullback uh, that is all action and on and off the ball. But against Cologne and Schalke the other week, he sh- he he's absolutely shown in midfield. To be honest, um, he's taking his like all action approach from left back, and he's just taking all that energy into into the middle of the pack. Um, he grabbed two assists and a goal in this game. And you can tell he's enjoying the extra responsibility. Often, I was watching, and often he would just be dropping into the into the center center back role and just picking the ball up. Quite um, Bernardo Silva when he was in Manchester City, and and just driving with the ball into the middle of the park and and playing quite a significant role in their build up there. But as you see with the goals and the assist, you would see him popping up in the opposition box and just providing it to Royce or Marlin to to score there. So it, it was incredible to watch him. And play. Um, Guerrero is quite similar to his role on the Terzic has been quite similar to Alexander Shevchenko at Arsenal, really coming inside. But when he's playing in midfield, he's really playing in midfield, like properly covering all the areas of the pitch. Um, quite Jao Cancelo esque when he was playing at City um, last season as well, like his very best. So he was really involved in this game. And I just wanted to give a quick appreciation to him. It's also nice to see Michael Royce get his uh, 150th goal in Bundesliga. Um, so big up to Royce because it feels like Royce is a player that goes um quite under the radar um amongst football fans in general. And I believe if he didn't suffer heavily from the massive injuries that Cantel he sees, Cantel his development as a player, I could see him playing for someone like Bayern Munich. Um, we've seen Bayern Munich poach Dortmund's best players throughout the years and. I think Michael Royce would be one of them players that, if it wasn't for the injuries, you could see Bayern Munich have taken him years ago and he'd play a vital role in their domination in Germany as well because he's so talented and consistent. When Royce plays, he's really consistent. He can really he can really um, contribute to a team and, and he contributes heavily. And he's played a constant role in every good dormant side because 
as Dortmund have um, evolutionized as a football club, so has he. And so as he's taking his role, um, whether that's playing out wide uh, or, or playing as a 10 or playing a little bit deeper, he, he's really taking that responsibility as not just a captain, but as a player as well. Um, and I just want to lastly give a shout out to um, David Selke, who scored his first goal for Cologne. Um, Selke is someone that, if you watch German football, you probably kind of resonate with the fact he's he's been around, he's been at Bremen, he's been at Leipzig, he's been at Hertha. So, but he's never really had a home. He's never been consistent goal scorer to actually have one. So, I hope at Cologne that this is kind of the place at 28 years old that he can, can kick on in his career and, and really find a home there. So, as to the Dortmund um, Cologne game, that that that's pretty much the kind of talking points I have. I don't know if you guys have anything over to add. Well, I just want I just want to add about Selka. I think he has like over 50 German youth appearances. Not a single. Not a single um senior cap. And I, I always like him because it's like he's just he's just he's just good. And and I'm glad you shouted him out because he's just good. And I want him to do really well to get that senior cap. Because like I I think it was last year I looked and and I was like, he's got how many youth caps and not a senior cap? And and there's a lot of players that have a ton, but he's got he played for like every youth cap 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and the Olympic squad. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. So yeah, definitely good to shout him out. Sorry, not too much about the game, but just about David Zelka. He's yeah, yeah. definitely an interesting player. Yeah, I guess I guess the other thing, God, of course, is what happened the next day uh, between uh, Bayern and Leverkusen. Uh, huge, huge result there. Uh, ended two one in Leverkusen's favor. We'll just go through that quickly. Bayern scored in the first half, uh, and then in the second half, uh, I mean, Adli was on two occasions given a yellow card for simulation in the box. Both occasions it was reviewed by PAR, but both occasions he was innocent and actually fouled. And on both occasions, uh, Ezekiel Palacio scored from the penalty spot to uh, put Leverkusen in front. We've spoken a fair bit about them. It's one of them games, Neil, that um, if you're neutral, you kind of um, you're kind of frustrated because of the performance from Tobias Steeler, the ref. Um, and you're 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 frustrated as either side because Bayern Munich fans would have been would have been um happy to see um uh, the fouls being um being given as a yellow uh for simulation, but uh, as a Labour Cousin fan, you're frustrated because he overturns them, and it's just a it's a frustrating performance from a referee. Um, when you see him um overturn two quite clear decisions for me, obviously watching the game. At home, I feel those were quite clear decisions, and the commentators seem to agree. Um, on a, a mean Adley, so it was quite a frustrating performance. It was quite a frustrating game to watch, knowing how good Leverkusen were as a side, and the potential of them being denied them two penalties because a referee deemed their simulation. He was quite, he was quite quick to pull out the yellow cards, which it's quite sad to see that a referee's first thought, um, when they see a player tumble over in the boxes. That simulation, that's a dive. Instead of actually going, listen, he's he's gone over here, and yeah, so that was quite frustrating. And it, the first time you go, all right, a mistake. The second time you go, okay, ref, what are you actually doing here? Um, and I think he was kind of the main narrative of the game as you're watching it. But luckily, it didn't have any impact on how the game actually played out. As you said, Leverkusen winning um two one, and they deserved it to be honest because they were quite um they were quite dangerous throughout. They really bypassed. Bayern Munich's midfield. I, re- I wasn't really impressed by Bayern Munich at all, and how easily Leverkusen are able to transition from um, from back to front, and and I think they deserve the the, the win in general. And also shout to Ezekiel Pal- Palacios who dispatched both pens in such a composed fashion. So yeah, 
yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we've spoken a fair bit about them. They've been really impressive under Xabi Alonso. Uh, and of course, in other news, uh, next match for Bayern and Dortmund is their classical. So we look forward to that one. But that's obviously on the other side of the international break. Uh, let's quickly mention a couple of cup matches in Scandinavia, as advertised. Uh, over in Sweden, we had semi-finals. Uh, big news is Mjelby. Uh, beating Hamabi 1-0 uh, to qualify for their first ever cup final, uh, which will take place against Alsvenskan holders Benko Hecken, who of course won their first ever title last season. Uh, they got the better of Jorgården 3-0, so pretty, pretty emphatic win. Uh, and of course, they'll play in the final. I think we do have some time for that. The uh, That's, I think, in May. So we'll have the Alsvenskan back in action before that. Uh, and over in Norway, uh, I, I found there was a, a, <laughs> the longest shootout I've seen, at least, uh, featuring uh, Eliteserien champions Molde and newly promoted uh, Stabæk. 24 penalties uh, for Stabæk to come away with the win in that quarterfinal. Uh, and interestingly, this, if I'm not mistaken, Stabæk goalkeeper stepped up for the fifth or the sixth penalty and, and he absolutely dispatched that. Uh, and any obviously there are some people had to take two uh, because there were so many. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean it was. It was it Did was the good. goalkeeper take two as well? No, I don't think so because he was the. Favorite. Oh, that's a bummer. That's a order. huge bummer. That would have. Yeah. How crazy that would that have been? Yeah. Score both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, a huge win for for Stepek there. Elsewhere, Borglimt got the better of uh, Viking. Uh, Tromso beaten by Lilstrom after extra time and a newly promoted uh, Bran second tier champions. A bit Sandefjord, who just about stayed up last season by the by the slenderest of margins. So that so that's that for what we've got over in Scandinavia. Let's go over to some league action uh, elsewhere. Well, there were there was final day drama in a couple of places uh, in terms of the regular season. So let's go on to that. All right. So we spoke about this on Friday. It was the final day of the Danish Superliga season. There was all sorts going on. Obviously, uh, I say final of the season, I mean the regular season with all 12 teams playing each other in the regular table. Uh, so, obviously, the main thing you're looking for is who's finishing in the top six and who's dropping into the relegation playoffs. And boy, do I tell you, a lot happened. So, the, the real battle was, uh, the two matches to watch were silkeborg Midgelon, who uh, were... Uh, they were both down in the in the play, uh, relegation group uh, at at kickoff, but both had the chance to jump up if they won. Uh, and the other two to watch were uh, RB against Rondes, uh and Brunby, uh against North Zealand, the league leaders. So, uh, obviously, all of these matches kick off simultaneously. That yeah, that that's where the drama comes from. So. Uh, I suppose the most peaceful one was Rondes winning 1-0 at RB. Scored in the 50th minute, uh, 51st minute. Uh, but uh, th- with that, they were basically through to the top six. So I'll I'll find there. Midgeland Silkeborg was was pretty busy. 1-1 at half time, or no, 2-1 to Midgeland at half time. Uh, Silkeborg equalized pretty quickly. 2-2 at the hour mark. Over in North Zealand, Brunby, uh, Brunby took the lead. Uh, on the stroke, uh, well, close to half time, uh, Nordsjöland equalized uh, early in the second half. 
So uh, as things stood, as we entered uh, the last 10 or so minutes of play, or the last 15 minutes, uh, both of those matches were drawn. Uh, and that meant that Silkeborg would go through. But now come the twists. Midgelon scored in the 75th minute. So as it stood, they were going through. Uh, well, no, as it stood, they, they still needed uh, the their friends Nordzilon to help out uh, and, and have Burundi drop points in order to go through. So they, they were waiting for a goal there. But while they were waiting, Silkeborg equalized. 85th minute, 3-3. So as we were. Then, and stoppage time was absolute madness. So th th these, these are according to notifications that I got on my phone. This is the chronology. Medjelon scored in the first minute of stoppage time and Nordsilon missed the penalty in the 89th minute of their match. It was saved. So although Medjelon scored and did their part, Nordsilon missed penalty meant that Brunby was still going through. But a minute later, Nordsilon scored from open place completely separate to the penalty. Brunby were losing. Medjelon had that goal, that late winner. So it was Medjelon going through. But VAR gets involved. Mijelon's supposed winner is ruled out for offside. So they don't have their goal. Burnby do go behind. But all of that means nothing. Because uh, neither Silkeborg nor Mijelon managed to win. So Burnby are through to the top to, to the championship playoff in the top six. In spite of losing in the last minute. Uh, and Silkeborg and Mijelon effectively ended up tripping over each other. So it was absolute madness. Crazy to follow. But that's that. Top six is Nonchalon, Copenhagen, Viborg, Agea. Of Argos, uh, Rondes, and Brunby. And the bottom six is Silkeborg, Midgeland, last season's runner sub, I should add. And Silkeborg was third last season, so two of the top three, not even in the top six this season. Uh, Obe, uh, Horsens, Lungby, both newly promoted, and Aabi at the bottom. So, uh, relegation battle isn't really that close, but at the top, we have a tight, tight race to watch out for. So that's that from uh, Denmark, from the Superliga. Much more peaceful times in the, in the Austrian Bundesliga, where we also had the final match day, uh, but uh, but we were basically uh, as we were. Uh, no no change in in the top or bottom six. Salzburg drew. Uh, Sturm Graz also threw. Lask Rapid Wien Austria Wien. Uh, uh, they were facing each other in a derby, by the way, uh, but both threw. Austria Wien's place was under threat, I should add. So uh, an important win for them. After Klagenfurt lost, but they're also in the top six. Uh, because down in the bottom, uh, BSK Tirol lost, Asher Lustenau, Forsberger, Hartberg, Reed, and Aldach all making up the relegation uh, playoff. So that is that from Austria. Let's move on to uh, uh, some top five league action quickly. Uh, first, a um, quick mention in Spain, obviously, we had uh, El Clasico, Barcelona won 12 points clear at the top with 12 matches to go. You will know about that. They're really very good. But what I want to mention, uh, is Rayo Vallecano uh, against Girona, which ended 2-2. And when Rayo were 2-1 up, they had a penalty, which they elected to try to pass. So, uh, obviously, there's a famous clip of what, Messi and Suarez who, who did that. Uh, and so, uh, was it Alvaro Garcia who took it? Either way, the, the, the taker does a sort of soul roll into the pass of Isipalazon, who's running onto it. He gets onto it very well. Uh, that's all good. But then he, the keeper is rushed out. He's seen what's coming, and he's absolutely skied it. So the, that that I mean, that was that was an incredible uh, turn of events. That's towards the end of the first half. 
and then the second half Hirona went on to equalize and drive dropped points. So yeah, don't, don't do pass penalties when you're winning by one goal. On on the penalty, on the penalty, Mio. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm sure everyone is I'm sure everyone is seeing because it's been flowing around social media. When I saw it, I thought that's a really good idea, but then I went, he's left footed. The guy who took the shot was left footed, yeah, so yeah. he had to. Shoot no, was he? So curl it. So, wow. so you <laughs> say so... don't 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 pass your penalty. I say pass your penalty yeah, yeah. but pass it to strong footed players. <laughs> yeah. Like going to pass in that direction. If he was right foot, he could have just slotted it to the keepers That's to the keepers a left point, yeah. A lot easier on a finish, yeah. but he's left foot, so he's his body shape's all a little That's bit wrong in the bad yeah. planning. It's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. Good analysis. That, that, that's what we're here for. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose pass your penalties, but think about it before doing it. Uh, anyway, that's that from Spain. Let's check in in England, where uh, there's this guy who's still scoring goals, apparently. Uh, when will he stop, Rafael? Yeah, um, there's this there's this Norwegian guy, Blonde. I don't know if you've heard about him. Um, scoring hat-tricks seemingly oh, every oh, game. Oh, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer, right? Yeah, I think I think I think Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's comeback reincarnated himself in in this six foot four body built of titanium. I I don't know if you I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, yeah, just just this guy. Um, but I think it's I think it's first to establish that um, obviously we're talking about Manchester City here and how Early Haller scored another hat trick in a six 0 win against Burnley in the FA Cup quarterfinals. Um, I think it's also important to um, know that Burnley are top of the championship, their cruising championship, and Manchester City made them look like a National League side, uh, a side playing amateur football, honestly. Um, but um, I wanted to quickly establish that I feel very sorry for Vincent Company and his Burnley side because the first thought that comes after a result like this is Burnley have been embarrassed, they've been humiliated, all sorts of idiotic takes are taken to diminish the status of Burnley as a football team. But this was simply a display of elite players turning up and showing their class. Like, you look at this Manchester City lineup, they've got Stefan Ortega in goal, um, Aymeric Laporte, Ruben Diaz, Kyle Walker, Rico Lewis, Rodri, Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, Julian Alvarez, Phil Foden, and of course, Erling Haaland. Those are all elite players. I think... All of them players would have cost loads of money. Look at their market value, 50, 60, 70, 100 millions. That is, those are the type of caliber of players you're talking about. Of course, Erling Haaland scored a hat-trick. Um, it's his second of the week. It's his sixth of the season, adding to his season total of 42 goals. Yes, 42 goals. It's only March. Uh, it's the 20th of March. There's still another... 15 games to play for Manchester City and he scored 42 goals. You can all, you can all have your guess on how many goals he's going to score. My guess is probably 60. Um, that's the quality Burnley were up against. Um, you simply can't stop that. You can only contain it. And and as they've proven, it's very hard to contain uh, Manchester City when they're on it like this. Um, and yes, I know I just called Erling Haaland uh, this robotic a freak of nature, um, because that's because I don't identify him as a human anymore. Um, he's merely a robot to me. He's merely something built from the the, the footballing um, gods that they've put into compete with Kylian Mbappe because nothing else will compete with him and and what he does. And and then you also look at Julian Alvarez, 
the man who spearheaded Argentina to World Cup alongside Lionel Messi. He's the backup to Erling Haaland. He probably would start for, if not every other side in the league, every other team in Europe. Um, he played with Haaland in this game. He scored two. Uh, you look at Riyad Mahrez, Kevin De Bruyne, and Manchester City, an elite side. They're simply the, the premier side in European football. Um, as they showed against Leipzig midweek, and as they showed against Burnley, they can destroy any team when they want it, ruthless as they want to be. Um, and this result shouldn't diminish Burnley. That's what I'm trying to say. Burnley have been incredible this season on the Vincent company. Um, and it's been an incredible, immense change that they've been able to go from one perception um, on the Sun Dice to another incredibly quickly. And you see it in certain parts of the game that they're playing from the back and they're comfortably passing it through Manchester City midfield and progressing into some really good areas. They, they have some really good chances in the first and second half where if if there was a more composure, a more clinical um, mindset from their forwards, you could see them notching a goal or two. So um, this is something that you wouldn't have seen from them a year or two ago um, under the old regime, them going to the Etihad. So for me, that's progress already. But um, I think to just quickly wrap up, of course, the semi the semi-final draws have been done. Um, Manchester City have got Sheffield United um, and the other two teams... Uh, United have got who who beat Fulham, have got Brighton, Hove Albion, who beat Grimsby Town. So those are really interesting ties. Those are really those are really um, narrative field ties um, from both sets. Um, but we might be treated to a Manchester final in the FA Cup, which will be the first time forever, which is um, quite something to really? think that. Uh, yeah, it's the first time ever. Um, looking up, uh, it's the first time ever both have faced in the FA Cup, and I think it's the first time since 2011 that uh both have met in a competitive final. So that's going to be really interesting. But of course, we can't write over uh the teams that faced Sheffield United are second in the championship to Burnley, but they've been slipping quite recently domestically. But of course, a lot of focus have been um on the cup which would have done incredibly well to get to this stage. And Brian, who I said a couple of weeks ago to uh, one of my friends, uh, England's equivalent to Napoli. I think they're just incredible. And I think they're so balanced and so fun to watch. And the Zerbi has done such a great job with them that I think it'd be incredible to see them get to a final. But it'd be even more incredible to see them get Champions League football. So um, if they were able to do either one of those, that would be incredible to watch. Um, and to witness. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's been quite a weekend of football in England and uh, the cup just keeps on giving. Yeah, um, that's a great comparison back to Napoli because the more you think about it, even if you think about players, like you think about Kolas Helia and, you know, you, you see Mitoma, you're like, hmm, yeah. You, you think about Osimen and you have, obviously, Evan Ferguson up there sort of similar profile. So, yeah, that's, that's a great, great chapter. Oh, light blue too. Oh, yeah, of course. It just keeps on coming. <laughs> They're both like Southern Italian Coast managers. Teams. Wow. Italian managers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Italian managers. Oh, yeah. It's quite a comparison. Good shot. Uh, yep. Anyway, let's also move on quickly to Italy then, uh, where we had a couple of big derbies. Uh, Lazio Roma was more of a wrestling match than football. I think that's what we agreed. Uh, where we checked on that before. Also, we were in the first half. Uh, less football, more fighting. One red card to Roger Ibanez, which uh, of Roma, which, which gave Lazio the advantage. Scored in the second half uh, to Matias Zaccani. Roma quickly equalized, but it was ruled out for offside from a side piece. And it ended 1-0. Very few chances overall. 
after the match, there was a, the, a proper brawl on the pitch. Uh, two players sent off, I mean, one on either side. And then reportedly, after the two teams went into their dressing rooms, did all, all the post-match stuff and went off to their buses to leave the stadium, there was another scuffle which started between two players and ended up getting Jose Mourinho, who, by the way, was not on the touchline because he's serving a full-match suspension. Jose Mourinho came in uh, and had some words with the Lazio owner. Uh, so apparently this one's going to get investigated. So Mourinho, already suspended, is going to be on the investigation again. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, that was the that was the Rome derby for you. Uh, we also then, had uh, two uh, coaches. There was a coach scuffle oh, too. Yeah, when yeah. Um, I forget what one of the players for Lazio, I think, kicked the the ball was like going out or was already out and I kind of like did something. And then the coaches came over coaches from each, the goalkeeper coach of Roma and then someone else on Lazio, one of their coaches got sent off too. Oh, so we had, I think five red cards. I'd say, so we had three red cards during the duration of the match. The two players sent off yeah, at, after the end of the match, but then like they're still sent off. So what a, and then something happening in the buses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was, it was definitely WWE. <laughs> and then obviously we had the Derby in Italia, a little bit of fighting, but this one was more football, sadly. Uh, Juventus coming away with a 1-0 win, which leaves them only 7 points in the Champions League places, even though they are that 15-point penalty. That's one to watch on the other side of the international break. Let's round up the action elsewhere in Europe. Uh, over in Belgium, a uh, couple of things. Uh, Rick Demil, who spoke about last week, the interim manager for Club Brugge, uh, it was announced earlier, I think last Tuesday or something, that he would, he would remain in charge till the end of the season. So, they went and lost to Kodrak. Uh, they have now dropped uh, out of the top four, finally, uh, because Hent managed to win. Up at the top, uh, Genk dropped points again uh, at Cercle this time. Uh, Royal Antwerp also dropped points. Uh, so, another great weekend for Union Saint-Gilles, who came behind, uh, came back from behind to win. Uh, at, was it Mechel? I think it was Mechel. Uh, so, uh, they are now within three points of Genk before the championship playoffs have even begun. Uh, but down at the bottom, Zulte Vargem sacked uh, by Le earlier in this week. So, uh, so Frederick de Hollander took charge uh, again in a, on an interim basis. This was his first match at Standard Liège. They're also fighting to sneak in maybe to the top four, but not a good good result for them because they were 2-0 up uh, seven, with 75 minutes gone, two goals in the first half, but then they conceded twice to drop points. So that, that's an important point perhaps for Zulte, who are only three points now from safety, uh, with four matches left. So it, it's going to be interesting to watch between probably Eupen, Ustande and Zulte. Two of them should go down. Eupen on 27 points and both Ustande and Zulte on 24. So that's something to watch in the Belgian Pro League. Uh, then over in Turkey, Galatasaray set a Super League record 14-match winning streak last weekend, which we spoke about. So that's gone now. They lost to Konyaspor. Quick mention of that. Uh, over in Poland, uh, certain Lukas Podolski, you might have heard of, scored a brace, including an absolute rocket of a free kick uh, to pull uh, Gornik uh, Zavse, if I'm saying that right. I'm not. Uh, out of the relegation zone uh, with, with, uh, with a late winner too. But interestingly, uh, before the match, I th- well, I think before even last midweek, uh, the club put out a statement which said that manager uh, Bartosz Gaul's position would be assessed after this match. Uh, and, and, and that's basically what they said in a statement. Uh, and then this match happened, and then they announced that he's going to get sacked even though they won. 
obviously, I suppose they did that because we've got the men's international break coming up, so they have time to, to look for a replacement. Uh, so that's a bit of news from Poland. Uh, quick mention also uh, in, in the race in Czech, Czechia, uh, Slavia Prague, we spoke about them last week, big derby win for them. Uh, big win over the prison for them, sorry. Uh, but so the, the, their lead has, has gone now because they dropped points uh, at Slovan uh, Liberec after conceding in the fifth minute of stoppage time. So their local rivals, Sparta, are level at the top on four, 54 points with them and uh, Victoria Pilsen down on 49 points, so slightly off the top two. Uh, that's that for Europe. Quick mention then, finally, to the Americas. Uh, two big derbies in Mexico. Uh, El Super Clasico was the second one. Uh, Club America beating Chivas uh, in, in, a, in a pretty action-packed match. 2-4 attended. So, an important win for them. Takes them up to second in the league. And the other one, uh, El Clasico Radio, was uh, Tigres against Monterrey. Tigres, of course, advanced in the Champions League in midweek. Uh, but suffered a setback here. A, a, a great goal from uh, Luis Romo from about 35 yards out of out uh, maybe it, it was a great strike super powerful to the top corner keeper completely caught out that was the only goal of the game so Montere extend their lead at the top to eight points but of course uh, you want to qualify for the playoffs in the top four but that's handy for uh, Champions League qualification of course so that's that from Mexico uh, quick news from MLS is that St. Louis City have become the first expansion side in history in MLS history to win their first four matches, and they're having a great time uh, leading the way uh, in the supporters' shield, of course, and also in the, the the Western Conference. So that's that's a great start to the season for them. First clean sheet was this week, uh, and finally, quick mention in Venezuela, where uh, Academia uh, Puerto Cabello, who we mentioned uh, for the Copa Libertadores qualifiers. Have continued their, their perfect start to the league season. Seven wins from seven games for them now. Uh, and they are obviously first and already have a seven point lead. Uh, obviously, a long way to go in the season. But this will be quite something if, if they can put together a title charge. So, yep, that's, that's, that's a properly frantic ending uh, to the podcast for you because that's all we've got uh, in terms of uh, the weekend's matches. What do we have to look forward to in the week? Well, it looks pretty peaceful because obviously it's the men's international break. We do have a couple of league games uh, from, from uh, some of the lesser known leagues. I suppose uh, in Brazil, of course, we're approaching the end of the state championships. We had semi-finals this weekend, some more in midweek. Uh, mostly uh, South American uh, leagues this week. We do have some uh, international uh, games, uh, AFCON qualifiers and later in the week, Euro qualifiers. And we also have the UEFA Women's Champions League to look forward to in midweek. So, we'll be back on Friday. Quick recap of those. Looking ahead to a busy weekend, uh, both on the men's side and internationals, with some huge games uh, on the women's side of things in a bunch of leagues as well. So, we'll mention those. Uh, and we, we might also have something else lined up for you. So, so stay tuned. Uh, we'll watch, watch, obviously, on Twitter and, of course, on Patreon if you can join us as well, because we'll, we'll be putting out some stuff this week. So if you can join us there, of course, you're most welcome. Otherwise, we'll see you probably next Monday on the next episode. Uh, but either way, thank you very much for listening. Uh, big thank you to Ben and Raphael for their time. Uh, and yeah, see you on the next one. Take care. Bye-bye.